All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie, person in recovery. Wow. Uh, did not expect to be speaking off the cusp, but, you know, that's how things go. Um, yeah, I have one year of sobriety today on the 23rd of September, 2021. I decided that I needed to get sober. So this is like a mini sort of update. It's not my first time I've done a speaker meeting, um, but it's definitely one that I may as well get recorded because why not? It sounds like a good idea. Um, so for me, just a quick backstory. I, I'm from New Zealand. I grew up in New Zealand um, for most of my life. Um, and then I started, I was quite a queen of geographical movement. I moved between different cities and then it became different countries. Um, and yeah, I you know, went to university and got my degree. I did my thing. Um, but all the while I was drinking and drugging through the majority of my high school and university days. Um, it was really great. I remember, you know, one of my professors had just, yeah, definitely didn't trust me because <laughs> I was drinking and drugging so much that it was just such a bad relationship to have. Um, but yeah, how I got sober. Well, I first came into the program after a, a recommendation from my therapist. It was after a drunken incident. I mean, I'd had multiple drunken incidences that I had shared about before, but uh, this one was pretty bad. This one had caused a lot of harm to myself and I wasn't alone when I had hurt myself. Um, I'd really taken a big dive and I remember that night. I remember that night quite clearly of just being, um, it was about two months prior before I got sober. Um, I'd hurt myself. I'd fallen over pretty badly and managed to yeah, I hurt myself and uh, I told my therapist and my therapist said to me, you know, maybe it's time you try AA. And I went, eh, no, I don't really want to do that. But uh, I knew I had to. And, and I knew that there was something going on with my myself that needed some, some attention. Um, so when I first came into the program, uh, when I first started to find out about AA, I, you know, I got downloaded the AA app found an in-person meeting to go to. It was not far from where I was living in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, I stood outside and watched people go in. It was a woman's meeting and I was judgy. I'll be honest, I was very judgmental. I thought that, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, it was soccer moms and people that didn't look like me. And I, I could find any excuse to, uh, to not be in that space. And uh, I didn't go in, I, I left. I went about three or four times to the meeting and just stood outside and just couldn't bring myself to go in that door. Um, so I ran home and then I thought, wow, well, uh, we're still in the pandemic. You know, we're still in a COVID pandemic, but you could still meet in person. But I thought, oh, well, why don't I try Zoom? And so I went online. I found a, a queer meeting out of Vancouver and I had my camera off completely. I didn't introduce myself for the first uh, two weeks. and then. You know, I, I eventually introduced myself and said who I was and, you know, hi, I'm Stephanie, uh, alcoholic. And uh, they welcomed me with open arms. They, they really did. And that was a real big surprise to me. Um, when I first kind of opened up and said who I was, you know, they said, oh, we've seen, you know, we've seen your, your cat picture before, but uh, we haven't seen obviously your face. And now was obviously the time where, you know, I could show who I was and I was getting quite comfortable. So I uh, found my... I decided that I would go in person to an in-person group in Vancouver and uh, I met my traditional sponsor there. And uh, my traditional sponsor 
you know, has done a lot, did a lot for me. I stayed in traditional uh, for about nine months and did the uh, the sobriety game, as you say, for, I think, I'm trying to remember now off the top of my head, but when I first met my traditional sponsor, I just ran to someone that uh, I just heard them share and I was like, no, that's what a sponsor is supposed to be like. I'll choose you. <laughs> So I went up to him and I said, hey, do you mind, would you mind sponsoring me? We sat down, we had a talk, um, we had a coffee the next day and eventually I decided, you know, well, let's start this arrangement. Uh, so this arrangement, you know, started off in about October of last year and, uh, you know, we started the 12 steps, we started the traditional 12 steps. I was told just to give it a go, you know, see what happens in a year, give sobriety a year. If you're not happy at the end of it, you know, you can always get a refund. You can always find a way. You can always leave. And uh, so I kind of took that with, okay, let's let's give this a shot. See how it goes. Um, so I did the 12 steps. When it when it got to step three, um, I was very hesitant. I I didn't have a belief in a higher power. I didn't have that, that God thing. So uh, I was told to fake it so I make it. And I was told to basically read the big book, understand it, come back to him and we'd talk about it. So we'd read a chapter. It wasn't a, a sponsorship arrangement where he sat down with me line by line. Um, he just said, read chapter one, chapter two, chapters with the agnostics and all that and come back and talk about it. And uh, yeah, when it got to step three, I, I mean, <laughs> it was just, it wasn't fun for me. I, I really, I guess I think I had faked it so much in my life with trying to be someone else that I, when it came to step three, I really just struggled. I really just struggled to uh, to be honest with about you know I, I had expressed that I wasn't keen on the agnostic part um, yeah I shared that I really wasn't keen on on having some form of higher power so I yeah it was a hard time but I, I got through it you know I was told to just ignore it um, I was just told to basically just rather ignore it as best as I could. So I decided that, you know, I'll do my step four. And I did my step four. I think it took me about, I want to say about a month. Um, yeah, it took me about a month. I did my resentments, fears, harmful actions, sex conduct, you know, and I I did it. And I I didn't enjoy doing it when I finally got around to it. Um, me and my sponsor sat in his apartment for about for five months. It was about two and a half hours, three hours, and we were just sitting there chatting away about things. And uh, But I walked away from that experience of doing step four and feel a lot more. I didn't feel, actually, no, to be honest, I didn't feel any different. Uh, I didn't feel any different. I felt that I had, you know, shared all those, those horrible and hard things about myself that I had been holding on to, but I didn't walk away feeling any different. I just felt this, oh, okay, that's done. Um, it wasn't long after that that I had started with, uh, I think it was, would have been, I'm trying to remember dates for some reason, but uh, it was around Christmas time and I had, you know, I was going over, I was already in Vancouver, but I was going somewhere else for Christmas and I thought, shoot, I'm not going to be able to make my in-person meetings that I had started to go to. So I, I started the Zoom chasing again and I would attend about four or five a day. Um, you know, actually, my I had my notebook here. If I open it up to around that time, yeah, I was starting to find online meetings to go to around the world. Um, so I just went on AA's 
uh, Intergroup website and just started looking. And eventually around Christmas, yeah, I, I found this thing called the little secular tab on AA Intergroup's website. And I found a meeting that was called, and I was like, what's the secular tab? I didn't understand what secular meant. I'd never heard of the word before. And I thought, oh, okay. And uh, I found one of my home groups. Well, I found one of the meetings that I eventually ended up calling my home group, which was a secular meeting. And uh, I clicked on it. I thought, oh, wow, this sounds different. You know, they were reading a book that wasn't a big book. Um, and they were going through it. And I thought, you know what, I'll jump in, I'll join. So I, uh, I sat down and I went to that meeting and I immediately felt a lot different than when I had gone to traditional. I felt that, okay, there was no God. Um, this meeting specifically didn't read the steps, which was fine. And I just felt suddenly like, oh, I could just get involved. And it just went straight to the meeting rather than how it works and 12 steps, the 12 traditions, things like that. And I just went, okay, this feels different. And I was already starting to get, you know, I had about three months of sobriety up by that point and I was starting to get itchy. I was just finding the routine of normal AA just getting boring. So I guess that's why I started clicking all the tabs. You know, I'd already gone to a queer meeting. So I was like, well, what does secular mean? So I jumped into that, that pond. And uh, once I put my toe in, uh, I couldn't let go. I started to go to different Zoom meetings. And suddenly I managed to find a way to stay sober. Um, I was, you know, I left my, uh, me and my sponsor, my traditional sponsor, we did nine months together, pretty much. We got the, the 12 steps in the nine months. Um, but I had pretty much, by the time I'd found secular, I was ready to give them up. I was ready for that change of just not having to fake it till I make it as I will come, pretty much come back to because I didn't enjoy it, uh, the faking it part. So yeah, I came into secular um, pretty early in 2020 and I jumped into the middle of the herd. Like I really felt that I could apply myself through Zoom um, to be able to be present and do service. Uh, I wasn't doing service in any of my traditional meetings, but yeah, I definitely was in my uh, secular meetings. I learned pretty quickly that the fewer thing, the few things were, yeah, staying in the middle of the herd was needed for me. Um, I'm a big extrovert. I like helping people. I like being able to assist where I can and help in, help in any way I can. And that's been one of the amazing things about Secular is uh, I've managed to find a way to help out. Um, I was, when I came into Secular, I also decided, you know, it was time to give up as many people, uh, the people that were part of my past, you know, I, although I'd done it with my 12 steps, um, and getting, I hadn't got rid of people that were bad for me. Um, I still get them around. But once I found secular and found all these other people um, that were doing the right thing, it, it changed something in me to where I wanted to have that sober life. I definitely didn't want, I wanted to be sober in, when I was starting in AA, but uh, I didn't know if I wanted to continue the sobriety until I really got comfortable in, in secular AA. And uh, for me, what really changed it was coming into Tassanoa. Um, that had changed the game for me when I, when I looked at it, actually. I started in Tassanoa uh, around January, in early January. And uh, I was wowed with just the ability to have a whole lot of people around me who were really kind and were willing to listen to me, you know, willing to listen to my, 
me yarn about random stuff for however long that I need to get off my chest compared to being in some meetings where you have a three minute share and, and that's pretty much it. That's all you can check in. Um, so yeah, I, I found Tasnoa and I found Secular AA and I decided that, you know, I wanted to keep this going. I wanted to start the steps and do them in a secular way. So I followed the, the practical 12 steps from staying sort of without God. You know, I know not, not everyone's great on wanting to do steps, but I, I knew I wanted to continue doing step work after doing it through traditional AA. Um, so I did. I came in and I found a sponsor or a recovery partner, as one would call it, in, that I was taught was in secular. And uh, I started to do the steps. And, you know, that's one another way that I have kept myself sober is by doing the 12 steps and following the 12 traditions because it's been, uh, it's been amazing to sort of have that ability to just follow a program of recovery that's worked. Um, oh, uh, so what has, what has kept me sober in these months? I think the, I'm going to try and see if I can list off three to four things that it's helped me keep sober. The first thing has been um, accepting that this is, for me, my life and my lifestyle. Um, I never thought I wanted to get sober before I came in. I, I definitely was not keen. And I'm having this, this program of sobriety and recovery in my life. So accepting that this is, this is what I want for myself has been a massive thing that's kept me sober. Um, I did a third step using staying sober without god's workbook and i'd asked for you to kind of write a contract for yourself and so for me um i have a contract that literally says um you know every day i will make a conscious commitment as to, to my to my new lifestyle of recovery so you know that's that's a big thing for me is i want to if i wanted to be sober i needed to commit to this new lifestyle and, and have a sober life for myself that I definitely didn't want before. Um, the second thing that has helped keep me sober in a year is trusting in recovery. Uh, trusting that other people have some answers that I don't necessarily have. Trusting that the 12 steps, at least for me, have done something for myself that I didn't realize. Um, and tr trusting the fellowship and you know, I, I'm also in multiple fellowships. I'm not just in AA, but placing trust in them and being open and willing to listen to the wisdom that people have to share about their recovery and, and the resources that are available, realizing that I need those resources to help me stay sober, whether that's, you know, coming to meetings or doing the steps or listening to podcasts or reading the literature, um, you know, trusting that whatever I read about I will find myself I will find something that will work for me it might take me a long time and I might have to read a lot of books but trusting that I'll find something that will work for me um, has also helped me stay sober um, the other thing that's kept me sober from this this time has definitely been um, realizing that my my coping mechanisms that I use don't serve me anymore um, that they're, you know, I don't use the term character defects, I use the char term character defaults, or I've also used the term maladaptive coping mechanisms. Um, they don't serve me anymore. They don't have, you know, they may have served me a purpose in when I was in survival mode in my drinking and drugging days, when I was going through traumatic stuff that I needed to find a way to cope and address. Um, but 
you know, now for me, I, I realize that they have no purpose for me and my recovery, that I need to replace what they are. You know, the, the drinking and drugging was, was really good at covering up the fact that I had a fear of abandonment, I, that I had a fear of um, being alone, that I had a fear of not being good enough and not being lovable and not being worthy of people's time and attention. And in order to gain all of those things, I would drink and drug just, just to feel like I could fit in, that people would like me and, you know, they would like this, this altered version of me. Um, but now since I've come into recovery, I realize that those behaviors don't, don't serve me and I need to replace them with healthier behaviors, you know, speaking up, talking, um, calling people, being active in recovery, doing service you know, being present in, in my life and in other people's life and just realizing that, you know, that sort of hard, hard stuff about the healthy behaviors, you know, now I'm able to actually look at what my behaviors are and go, oh, okay, that's, that's something I want to do. I want to be accountable for myself. I want to not lie anymore. I want to not cheat. I want to be an honest and truthful person to people and and that's really, really new to me um, because I was really afraid of lying. I was a really good, I don't think I was a great liar, but I definitely lied a lot. And I'm still learning that sort of process of, oh, I don't have to lie anymore. I just have to be truthful. And um, that's definitely a big one. Um, another thing that's kept me sober is realizing that I have, I can live an authentic life and that I can have a genuine existence in this in this world that I don't have to fake it um but that I have to address things that are going on for me I have to address those resentments when they come up I have to look at what it means to be you know not only sober but emotionally sober I need to understand that it's not just about me putting down the drink and the drug it's about me actually doing the work um I need to look at what's in my control you know I was wanting to control every single situation in my life but I wouldn't actually look at what's in my sphere of control. And so trying to keep that in balance has been a really big one for me, finding out, you know, what I can control and what I can't control. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the serenity prayer just for reasons, but it does hold true. You know, what I can't control and what I can control are two different things. And I constantly want to try and make everything my way, but uh, that's not always the right way to do things. And that's been a big lesson. Um, another one is practicing rigorous honesty. That's something that's been really, really hard, um, just along with not just about being the truthful part, but actually being honest, you know, telling the truth and being honest. I see it two different things, but the, the being honest with myself about things and getting down to the nitty gritty of what's in here, it's bugging me. You know, I might say to myself, oh, I'm irritated, but am I actually irritated? Being rigorously honest to investigate what's going on with me, what emotions am I actually feeling, rather than just labeling them as something. That's been a really big new one for me. If, you know, I have a feelings wheel now. I look at a feelings wheel to check in how I'm actually doing. So I'm not just assuming one thing about myself. I'm actually willing to challenge it. And that's a big difference. And uh, taking accountability, that's, that's a new one. I can easily think of that one as I never used to take accountability. I would, it would be really, really easy to blame someone else, a dog, a, a human, it could be easy to put it on something else. But now for me, taking accountability is um, is a really hard one, but it's really new and it is a 
it's exciting to just be able to say, this is what's going on. Or this is me. This is my behavior. And that's it. Instead of me trying to find a way to bypass it or make excuses, because I, I think for a long time, all of the excuses that I had were just covering up so much bullshit and being able to take accountability for my actions and the consequences, the, the consequences, you know, now I can, I can say that I've cheated, that I've lied, that I've stolen, that I've taken things, that I've been a dis very dishonest person in my life. But now I can, I can say that and I never could say that before. I always used to find it really weird when people would be like, oh, I've done this and I would go, oh, and I'd stand back in shock. But now I'm like, oh, hang on a second. I've, I've done these things. I can say that out loud. You know, I'm a cheater. Hello. I can say that out loud in now. I can say that I've lied. I can say I've done this, which I never could do when I first came in the rooms of recovery. I just was so ashamed of uh, who I was, how I how I was and how, how things were for me. Um, and I think, I think that the more that I'm able to be comfortable in my own skin, I'm slowly learning about how all of those things, it, it, resentments, emotional sobriety, looking at my sphere of control, taking accountability and practicing the rigorous honesty part has really helped me to all contribute to living this authentic life. Um, I think I'm slowly getting to the end. I'm trying to think of this. I know there's one more, but I think the two other things is uh, accepting help has been a really big one of, of sobriety in the, in the year. Um, realizing that people want to help me and want to be there for me and harm me and not, and not harm me and, and just love me. That's, that's changed the game a lot. Realizing that um, I have friends I have really amazing people in recovery that, you know, I didn't think I was worthy enough of anyone's time or that I had anything to offer people when I came into recovery. I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm just one person trying to get sober. I didn't think there was all this other stuff to it. Um, but being able to, being able to sit down and, and realize that people like me for me has kept me sober because I'm not pretending to be someone else. I'm just this, this person in my own skin. And that's been so new, new for me as I continue on this journey because I, I never liked who I was. I never liked who I was when I was out there drinking and drugging. I just always wanted to find a way to fit in. I always wanted to find a way to make things better in my life. I always wanted to find a way that I could please people. And uh, now I don't have to. Now I just have to be comfortable in my own skin and accept myself, flaws and all, um, warts and all, as people say. And this is who I am. And the fact that people not only like me, but that I like me, you know, that I actually like who I am today after a year of being in recovery. I don't want that. I don't want to go back to my traditional sponsor and say, I'm going to leave now because it's the last thing I'd want to do. Um, because being in recovery has kept me sober for a year and being in and being able to learn who I am and really open that door that I was so scared of, you know, I was so scared of addressing why I have these fears or why I have these big parts of me that I never wanted to show anybody. But now I sort of sit here and I go, wow, no, this is, this is who I am. I, I like, 
who I am now today. I'm, I'm liking this person that I couldn't even look at in the mirror. When I first came into recovery, I just couldn't. I would hate looking at myself. And now I can do that. Um, I think the, the final thing that I can think of that's kept me sober or has helped me in my sobriety or you know how I got sober in the year is is by having people around me that I know will always have my back um I didn't realize what true friendship was when I came into recovery I thought that the friends that I had um <laughs> the friends that I had outside in the, the normie world were not my friends they were people that were really great at doing the things that I also would do. They were great at drinking and drugging and lying and doing all the same things. And I thought that, you know, these people were my ride or die friends. And, you know, even though we'd gone on so many adventures, traveling together, um, I always thought that they were my people, that they were always going to stick by me. But actually the moment I decided to get sober, they all left. They all just kind of went on their own. And it made me realize that, no, I... I didn't have true friends after all. I had people that were just, that were, I don't want to say fake because I don't want to put them down, but they weren't real people. They weren't there when I needed them. They weren't, and it made me realize that the true friends that I do have are actually people I found in recovery. You know, um, I'm the person where I don't associate with anyone from my past anymore. Um, you know, my family, my parents are around sure but any friends that I'd have previous to that no um no one from my university days one person from my high school but other than that I've had I've given up all my friends that I used to have and I only just stick around people that I've met in recovery and that's kept me sober is being around all these people um and having those amazing connections have made it so much more easier to a accept that I'm in recovery but be to accept that I have amazing friends that I can count on. So, uh, yeah, I think that's nearly about it. If I can think of anything off the top of my head, I think that just in the year, how I've managed to stay sober is by being in the middle of the herd, sticking or staying around, um, not picking up that first drink, because I do realize that the first drink will get me drunk. And the first drug I pick up will just get me completely off my face. Um, and realizing that, I do have control. I have control over more things than I care to care to admit sometimes. And that uh that I have friends, people that love me, I have support where I need it. You know, I didn't do rehab or anything like that. I just came into the program after a recommendation and uh I've chosen to stay, chosen to leave those destructive patterns behind. And uh I've accepted that this is who I am, that I I can't change who I am. I'm nearly 30, I'll be 30 next year. Um and just being able to say that I am starting to love myself as who I am and uh, how I am rather than running away from myself. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's all I've got. I think I've answered the question of how I've stayed sober for a year. I don't want my money back. I don't need money back. I don't need anything back. I'm happy to be here. I love being in Tasnoa. I love this family so much. And uh, I love the fact that I get to see all of you every single day because you all keep me sober. And remind me that, you know, I'm worthy of love and I'm I'm worthy of having having myself be comfortable in my own skin. So uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you.